This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. Once there was a man whose prison was a chair. The man had a monkey. They made the strangest pair. What kind of experiment was it, Jeff? What did you do to him? What did you do to me? The man was the prisoner. The monkey held the key. You want to be the boss now, is that it? Stop it! No matter how he tried, the man couldn't flee. Locked in his prison, terrified and frail. Jeff, what is it? Jeff, she's here! She's down here! The monkey gaining power, keeping him in jail. Ella, no, don't do it! The man tried to keep the monkey from his brain, but every move he made became the monkey's gain. Did you do that or did she? She did it. That's right. She did it. The monkey ruled the man. It climbed inside his head. Now, as fate would have it, one of them is dead. Monkey Shines, an experiment in fear. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration. I'm your host, Cameron Scott. Joining me this evening for part of our George A. Romero Appreciation Month and the foul year of our Lord 2020, December. Uh, joining me this evening is some co hosts of mine from the past, Corey Dawson. Welcome to the show. And you, Rebecca Reinhardt, welcome to the show. Hey. And this evening, it's uh, about eight o'clock somewhere. <laughs> and we're going to be covering kind of one of the more off the beaten track uh, George Romero films directed by him this time uh, Monkey Shines from 1988. And otherwise known as uh, Fatal Attraction with a Prehensile Tail. <laughs> yeah, or right. Or I like to call it Justice for Ella. Or yeah, yeah, I mean another another one I this. another one I thought of was um, selfish people who can't walk, selfish people who can walk, and murder. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and quadriplegic sex. Yes. Yeah. Well, the most uh, uncomfortable sex sex scene I think uh, ever committed to celluloid, but we'll get into. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, definitely, I don't know. I definitely I have, I. Like I Kind of ingenious. I don't know that I remembered that from my last watch, but oh, I thought it was pretty. Did creative. I ever? Did I yeah. ever? 
Oh, yeah, because I remember twelve-year-old me had a whole bunch of questions when he when he saw this, you know, right. when it first came out. Like, and, and and actually, forty-four-year-old me still has some questions. Like there are some <laughs> things that I there's some things that I don't think that they were very like. Like if I were somebody who knew somebody who were quadriplegic or whatever, I'd be going, that's not the way it is. You know how it is like when you watch a movie like about somebody who has cancer and it's like they have all their hair and shit. And you're like, that's not the way it is. You know, <laughs> right, that's the way right. I was with this guy. I'm like, this isn't this isn't your average quadriplegia. But anyway. Right, right. But there's nothing usual about this movie. It's a, it's a little all over the place, but it's uh, it's a little amazing and a little cringeworthy at the same time. But I'll give the quick IMDb synopsis and then we'll get right with it. All right, Monkey Shines, 1988. A quadriplegic man is a trained monkey. Help him with his paralysis until the little monkey begins to develop feelings and rage against this new master. And I don't feel like that's really... No, you're it. That's not. No, I read that same. I read that same synopsis, and I was like, um, I I think you're missing a couple of sentences there, at least. You guys threw the monkey under the bus, is what you did. Yeah, that's what it should be. He never feels rage towards him, first of all, and secondly, she doesn't develop feelings. She they develop a telekinetic fucking connection. Right. Yeah, I I definitely think that's something I picked up more on this um, Mm -hmm. at at an older age, where I'm like, you know, um. I'm not so sure that she's responsible. Like I, um, I actually took notes this time and I wrote a few times. I'm like, is Ella malevolent when she does this? Is Ella malevolent because she does this? I'm not so sure that she's malevolent. And most she's of the not, stuff that she's, she's being, doing, she's being fucked with. And even when I was a kid, that's, that was my like takeaway from this movie. Cause like the poster and the trailer and stuff terrified me. Um, cause I would have been more well, yeah. but, like, when I watched the movie, probably when I was maybe 14, 15 or whatever, I'm just like, oh, my God, that poor stinking monkey. She didn't right. ask for any of that. You know, and she was a sweet monkey. And you can even pinpoint the time, like, that she gets injected, that she just, that it's just one too many times for her. You yep. know, it has nothing and to she do, she's become, not making decisions. She's, she's she being. like a junkie, you know. Yes. Even, uh, the Jeffrey character kind of mentions, like, oh, you're addicted yeah. to it now. And, and look. And we'll talk yeah. about that son of a bitch at, at another point. Yeah. But really, you know, our main protagonist, Alan, I mean, it opens right off in the beginning. He's just, he, he's young, man. He's got it all going for him. He goes jogging with a backpack full of bricks, which just seems to be like asking for trouble. Yeah. Gets into an accident and gets paralyzed, has to have emergency surgery. And this is where it started to feel uncomfortable for me. Scenes of surgery and major surgery, even though it's not heart surgery, it's just uncomfortable for me to see those kind of things in an operating room, having gone through so many surgeries here in the recent years. So that was the first time of like moment my butthole puckered just a little, a little bit. Uh, I was a little, I was a little uncomfortable when he was stretching naked before his run. I wasn't sure what that was all about. Right. I was actually going to say. I was actually going to say. You know when. Um, any movie that begins with Janine Turner's rear end is is good, and then it's, and then it's like Jason is a beggy is a beg. I don't know his last name. Anyways, I, I think it's beg. But um, then the, I I at least thought it was like Turnabout's fair play with that. And then what occurred to me was I was like, this guy he doesn't come off like a beefcake. He actually comes off like an athlete. But it yeah. was very odd to see that. But it but it was cool in a way though too. And when it comes to the surgery aspect, I remember one of the things that chilled me the most about that was that strange 
um, corpse jaundiced sheet that they stuck to him. Yeah. Which makes it easier for Savini. But at the same time, I, were, I remember that color and it really freaked me out. Yeah, it, it just uh, made my knuckles turn white, you know, uh, and, and leave it to, to a Cujo almost, almost like dog attack to send this guy, you know, scrambling into the street, hit, hit by a truck oh, uh, and on his bricks. By the way, by the way, oh, well, number one, I think that the bricks was like a great visual semaphore for that. I, I remember thinking, I remember laughing out loud the first time I saw him kind of like fly up in the air. But then the, I remember the like shot, really gritting my wee shot. Wee! I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember really gritting my teeth when I saw the bricks. But mm-hmm. if you look, that truck, there's actually a car out there where that truck should be. And then when, it, and then when the dog thing happens and the truck is there, so the, the truck is nowhere near him. It's actually yeah. like a fish wagon or something. <laughs> So that that was an interesting continuity thing. Yeah, and I mean, the bricks, I mean, that's the dumbest thing ever. I'd have to think that there's, like, some sort of, like, mechanism you could buy if you wanted to, like, put extra weight that wasn't going to, like, bump up against your back, like, bricks and hold your shoulders down. But um, that this is the part, to me, that's really, like, terrifying of this movie. And that is because I'm older, that whole idea that your whole life can change in a split second, like completely do a fucking 180. Like it, it just, ugh, oh God, that chills me so bad. You know, I hadn't thought about it until this moment. Do you think that that's supposed to, um, do you think that the, the animal intervention that causes that is that, do you think that's supposed to, do you think it's accidental or do you think that's supposed to be like an illusion to uh, an animal affecting his life later on? It seems I, like I an don't think so. But, but I, I, had, I, don't I haven't like really thought about it now. Yeah, I don't feel like it's that cerebral to where, I mean, I think it's just a whole, you know, just kind of that, hey, you got shit luck, you know, doing the same thing he does every other day and, you know. Did, did anyone uh, find his running style unusual? <laughs> yeah, he had weird form for somebody who was a trained athlete. I, not that I have good form or even know what good form is, but he kind of runs like Steven Seagal, very, very weird. <laughs> Thank God you brought that up, dude. I bought above the law yesterday. Because <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Absolute, it's my absolute. It's the only Steven Seagal movie that I can stomach. Is above the law for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because <laughs> it's before he really got into his shtick or what. But um, but you make a perfect. That is such a good point about his running. I've noticed that in his movies so many fucking times. Well, you know, it I mean, he only, he only ran for, what, a, a couple of movies, and then he just got to having to stand and do all that shit for him. Yeah. But then we get the great Stanley Tucci as Dr. John Oh, my God. Oh my God. With hair. It's just so great, yeah. man. Underutilized. He's so young and, like, handsome yeah. and shit. It just, the, yeah, it's really, it threw me for a loop for a minute. I forgot I mean, about but, but, but it. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying I totally forgot about him being in this. Like I, you know, I remember, you know, uh, him being in it, but I forgot, like, you know, <laughs> even seeing him young with even a little bit of hair. The cast oh list God. is insane for this movie, though. We were talking yeah, and, about that, and that was the thing too. The one thing I could remember, I'm like, I remember there are a lot of people who went on to like really big things in it, but I couldn't remember for the life of me. And then yeah, then I'm looking through. You've got Gene Turner. You've got this Jason Beck. I don't watch any of those, but he's been on like a hundred and some odd episodes of the Chicago shows, whatever. So he's yeah, you know, he's, he's one. You got Steven Roots, 
Stanley Tucci. And Stephen Root. I mean, as, as as great as he is, this was his first movie. That was a note that I made that, you know. That blows yeah. my mind. When you mentioned that to me, I was like, I can't fucking believe it. Well, but it also he, says he was, he was a seasoned theatrical actor, though, at this point in time. It wasn't like his first yeah, gig. Yeah. It was just his first movie gig. He's so, he is so um, gleefully evil in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's what I love about him. I saw a lot of correlations between his character in this and his character in Get Out. Very same yeah. kind of pronunciations and just the way he handled himself. But it just almost felt like maybe those two characters were the same character. You know, that's uh, that's my, yeah. my director my, my director mind going at it. I saw when I saw Get Out, it was in such uh it was in such a bad uh way. I totally forgot that he was even in it. I went to see Basically, I was going to see Get Out with Melanie, and the the way I got to see because she doesn't like horror movies, so it it takes a lot of rigmarole to to like you know field horror movies with her. So she was actually going to see Fate of the Furious at a drive-in, and Get Out <laughs> second feature. So I saw Get Out after Fate of the Furious, so my brain was like jelly from that, <laughs> and then I tried to watch it because I see that movie as like a real claustrophobic movie. So I saw it in the middle of a field with a bunch of people who were just talking about Fate of the Furious the whole time. So for whatever reason, I just, I think that I felt bad about Get Out. I didn't feel good about the movie when I was watching it and I, and I bought it so I could like do a second run at it. But that just shows like, I totally forgot Steve Root was even in it due to the way, I think that you really have to be in the environment to, to catch that right. movie right way. But Anyway, yeah, you're right. This does. Ha- I mean, it does have a great cast. I mean, Jason has you know been on a lot of TV. Stanley Tucci has he's had such an expansive career. Janine Turner's been in everything, you know. And we get uh, John Pankow as his. As oh my Alan's god! I creepy love that guy. friend Jeffrey. Like I love him oh as an actor. God. I hate the character. Hate this character. Hate like, this he- character. With, without this character, there is no movie. There's right. there's no there is no horror movie, at least, you know. And right off the bat, I mean, did seeing this for the first time, did the two of you know right off the bat that Alan's present girlfriend, played by Janine Turner, Linda, was cheating yeah. with uh, Wiseman? Oh, yeah. it, it was oh, so. Yeah. Uh, There's so freaking obvious at that party. Yeah, and she's I like, to, oh, I, I should have visited you more. I had a question about the party though. When she was, um, so she, she kind of talks with Wiseman and she acts real awkward around him. To, to me, this time around, because I remember the first few times, because I've seen this like a thousand times. So the first little bit that I saw it, it seemed to me that they were already in cahoots at that point. Oh, yeah. But for, for, for whatever reason, this time around, the way he was looking at her when she walked away, it almost seemed like he hadn't gotten there yet. And then when she was in the bathroom, kind of like picking her shit together and everything. And she was basically taking shit out of his apartment that she, because she was never going to come back or whatever. It just kind of seemed to me that they hadn't sealed the deal yet. Oh, uh, no, I get it, the impression because she, she makes the point to tell her boyfriend, I should have visited you more at the hospital. I get the impression the reason why she didn't visit at the hospital more is because she started banging the doctor. That's the assumption I, that I came under is that they were already doing it, but they were still trying to do their best to to mask it, you know? Right. So yeah, until not, yeah. not back to quote-unquote normal life. 
Yeah, like, yeah, let's let's you know keep him, you know, string Alan along a little bit, at least till he's home and not and out of the hospital. He's taken care of. Okay, good. And then we can, you know, we can leave, or you know, she can leave him because that's essentially what happens next. You know, and he he doesn't even have to have the conversation with her. Alan doesn't. He knows she's leaving him because that's the conversation right. he has with Jeffrey. And you yeah, know, that's Jeff- that line. Is, I wrote this line down because it was like so powerful when Jeffrey says, if she walks out on you now, fuck her. And then he looks at Jeffrey and says, I can't. Like, uh, you know, when, like, when I, I, I took I took a note on that, too, because I was like, you know, I think that the gallows humor between those two guys is really great. But I think that Romero did that pause with that, that lent so much weight to it that I, I think that you could see it as them having like a great relationship where they could make those kinds of jokes but then at the same time it kind of dawns on jeffrey you know and then you kind of see you see alan's face and it's like damn there's some serious weight behind that but i that was a great part when um when david david shire the um the composer for the score and shit this is an awesome awesome score when he does kind of like the playful like monkey see monkey do type of stuff but then he does the um, uh, like the chilling stuff. But then he kind of does like the everyday stuff. He had done the the score for Pel- Pelham, the Taking of Pelham One Two Three, the original movie, which is like one of my favorite movies. And I thought that for him, he was very super versatile in that. And that was one part where the real super thoughtful music came in. Yeah. Does anyone think that uh, maybe if he would have like maybe I don't know I don't think this is jumping ahead too far, but uh, we can jump that, ahead, jump forward, jump backwards, whatever we want to do. Do you think that um, the part, because I think it's particularly chilling, when someone tries to asphyxiate themselves yeah. in, the, um, in like his like dry cleaning thing, for some reason I was thinking, I wonder if to me that would have moved the, that there would have been a little bit less filler in some places, if that would have happened, like if like he would have already been home at the party. Or like maybe his mom was like getting them together to come down to meet everybody, and she comes up and saw him in the in the room doing that. For some reason, it, it almost seems like that could have happened at the party, and it would have. But I don't know. I I think I think the thing is that yes, he had this horrible tragedy, but like everybody's like, "Yay, you lived!" You know, and like they have this huge party. Which I'm sorry if you're just getting out of the hospital after being like, you know, in there for like months and months and whatever. Do you really want a party? No. Do you want scotch in a sippy cup? Fuck no. But no. Um, <laughs> but I think it's the whole thing of like, you know, he's. It's like he's gonna give it a try. Like he can, like, you know, like I'm a stubborn person and I would feel that same way. Like I can conquer anything. And then after he gets back and he realizes he can't fucking turn a page in his book, his girlfriend's leaving him. I think he needs that like helplessness of just like, yep, this is really going to suck. So I'm going to try to off myself. Yeah. Cause I feel like, like he gave it the old college try and he was Mm -hmm. just like, oh, I can't, I can't quite do it you know he right just and it's like i can't watch home movies with my mom forever god oh god that was horrible <laughs> you know that um that roger ebert was like bitching about how the mother was like an extraneous part i think that the mother being there was totally vital to kind of like showing his further like degradation into like this yes. helpless baby thing and yeah. that was definitely one part where i was like oh my god because i mean really 
if you think about it, the only person that was in the right frame of mind at that damn thing was the coach. He acted like it was a funeral. Yeah. And right. everyone else was acting like it was like, uh, he was like, yay. Okay. And he was like, like it was homecoming, you know. Right. Yeah, I'm his, I'm his, uh, I used, yeah, I, was, I used to be his coach. So, like, he's the only one yeah. who had the right gravity there. Well, and also, if we go back to the whole idea of, like, would you really want to party and all that shit or whatever. Like, mom is, like, she's happy that her son's alive, which is fine. But she's almost like, it's almost like she got her son back, like, in this infantile state. And it makes her happy. Oh, and it I drives him crazy. I and, I mean, you know, like, I mean totally what awful. grown man wants their mother to, like, have to fucking give him a sponge bath? Really? I mean, it's, yeah. it makes it, it adds a whole other level of discomfort. Um, I, had, I had a question about the living situation, just like the house, because at one point, uh, Jeffrey said that he had bunked there. Was that originally their home? He and then he moved in there and then the mom moved out and then Jeffrey moved in and then Jeffrey moved out. Was that their like their family home at first? You know, I, I, think think it was. I, I think it was. I mean, it's not really very clear, but I think it was the family home because Jeffrey even makes the comment later on about the attic being rained in and how the water's been collecting up there for years. So I kind of got to believe that it was the family home, at least at one point. Dude, okay. I mean, this okay. guy was a law student. He was a student. He couldn't have afforded this house if it weren't yeah, that's like, what I was given thinking. to him somehow. I was thinking that, yeah. And I think yeah. that George Romero, um, I think that he's great at showing lived-in places that kind of like establishing shot that shows that that could have been any area where that was at. And at one point they show a card that says CWU. Is that Case Western University? Uh, this is supposed to be, well, okay. I don't know. Cause Case Western, that's what Michigan and mom lives I in Illinois. Know. I really don't know. Yeah. Really mom know. lives in Illinois. And I think they make a reference that that's supposed to be Pennsylvania, but I'm not, Sure. Okay, I really got with the way that everybody was acting and the way the school looked and the professor and everything. I really got like an Ivy League feel from it. But at the same time, I uh, but at the same time, when you look at the outside, it didn't it just didn't seem that kind of upper crust and stuff. So I wasn't quite sure. All I do know is that I thought it was an interesting character part where um, where the mother it almost seemed like she was really trying to mix with the big wigs when she was introducing Dr. Wiseman to the professor and she called her doctor and then the lady corrects her and then she refers to her as doctor again and the lady mm -hmm. like exasperated. I thought that was a really interesting character moment for that. Well, I just think it goes to show the mother in a not so good light like the, they, her and Alan have this weird kind of uneasy relationship from the get-go. I think Ella's the best person in the whole movie, really. Yes, thank you. you. Oh, yeah. Ella's the best. Well, person. Ella in the the monkey trainer, she's she's all right. Melanie. Well, now now wait a second now wait a second now. I was gonna actually bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. With Melanie, do you think that Melanie was going to go all the way for Alan until they went to the doctor? Because it seemed to me that she was kind of taking her time and baby steps, and then when they went to the doctor, and he was like, you know, this may have been a a congenital thing that was there all along and this accident. Mm. Where it seemed like I after that, then she that. was in with both feet. I so never that, considered that. I, you know, I never I considered that. Think, angle. I used to think that Melanie was like awesome because she really gives me this kind of like 
plucky Margot Killer Kidder type thing. Yeah. And but then I kind of I hooked onto that. And I was like, is Bella the only worthwhile person in this whole fucking movie? But I then mean, it, really, I, I don't she know. is. But she's if you the think about Melanie's up. position, even if that is the case, you know, she's obviously having feelings for him, but he, but you would have to enter into a relationship with a quadriplegic with a little bit of trepidation. I mean, that's, that's a fair. hard totally. fucking road to totally. go down. And, and you know, and in in Melissa's defense, you know, they they her and Alan even have a conversation where he says it's it's hard for you to make promises, you know, isn't it? And then later on, they even have a moment while fishing while he asks her. He's like, hey, you promised? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, that was difficult, wasn't it? So I think but it's that, also... But that's the thing, though. But that's the thing. Did the fishing trip happen after the doctor's appointment? No, that's before. That's way before. Yeah, I, I believe uh, so, yeah. The doctor's appointment happens, like, way into the movie. I don't remember if they have sex before or after the doctor appointment, though. I think it was definitely after. Okay. Yeah. But they definitely were doing like the fishing thing and she was shaving him and they were obviously having some moments and that kind of thing. You know, she was like, and they were talking about, you know, she's going to make him dinner and all that stuff. That was all before the doctor's appointment. Right. Uh, I got to believe that she, she, you know, is a worthwhile character, but still Ella is the, Ella the monkey is, is the most worthwhile character in the movie. And she starts off not as Ella. She starts off as number six, just another yeah. in the line. That, those are the scenes that are hardest for me to watch, all those monkeys in cages. You know, I'm not the biggest bleeding heart in the world, but, I, you know, you can disembowel people all day long on the movie screen and do nefarious things to them, but once you start hurting animals, I'm kind of out, <laughs> you know. Yeah. What about the, what about Burbage when, when, uh, when Jeffrey comes in and Burbage, oh, yeah. if you look in the background, there's just that vivisected monkey in a tray like in the background. Yes, and he has no gloves on. His hands are covered in blood. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God. Like, maybe this is a, a post-COVID moment. But to me, I was like, holy fuck, he's not even like, oh, my God. Like, he barely washed his hands. Like, there's still and, was it, and didn't he wash his hands in a fucking eyewash station? Didn't yes! he oh, fuck, yeah. Here, oh, here's God. my thing. Monkey he's blood in the eye. Jesus Christ, man. So in the 80s, in the 80s, and even now, like, when you would see, like, a mortician or, like, a coroner or whatever, they'd always be eating and just put their like food like near the dead body or whatever to show apathy. I think that's what this is, is just it's trying to show that he's completely apathetic. Like well, he doesn't give a shit. I used to work at a vet and there was a lot of times where we'd have to eat lunch and there was an open animal. There there was a there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that that uh. happened. But in his case, he's actively malevolent. Like when he's like drowning that fucking my, my, mouse oh. What the fuck? I was like, Jesus. Because like a lot of that stuff is like, well, I think Savini made some monkey arms. I think Savini made some monkey shoulders. But that's definitely a mouse. So it's like, oh, Jesus. They had yeah. Real, yeah, that's a real rat or a real mouse. They may not that. have killed the mouse, but yeah, they were putting that thing through some tough shit, man. No, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, um, I'm, I always said a mouse, but it might be a rat. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, not a mouse, a rat. It was a rodent. It was yeah. something that was like having to swim continuously to survive Ugh, in I, real I life. <laughs> I think that I think that one got me. You know, I, I for some reason the monkey thing didn't get me quite as much as that rat part did. Um, although yeah, I saw Project X, it was like not a dry eye in the fucking house. I know that when I was a kid, I watched Project X, and that is a whew, 
That is a horrible yeah. one. If you, you know. Well, if you noticed at the very beginning, they they talk about the Helping Hands program, Boston University. You know, where that's it's a real thing, and it's this great program. Blah blah blah. We really don't do this shit to our monkeys, kind of thing. But it does say, even though some of the things look perilous, no monkeys were harmed. No monkeys. They shit about the rat. Were give a shit about they the don't rat. care about the rat. Exactly. Casper didn't make it. <laughs> oh, the fucking rat. Fucking drowned. Um, uh, my, ne- my next question, though, my, I, I got to pose the question is Jeffrey, the friend, the scientist, he has that container called that's just labeled live human tissue. Live human tissue. <laughs> live human tissue, in which he just plops out a brain, just kind of plops out. And he freezes it, takes like brain shavings off, you know, like it's steak tartare or something and makes this like concoction out of it that if you i mean i don't get the science behind it like i I say on this show a lot there's uh there's some sharknado type science going on here that frozen brain shavings mixed with some enzymes make uh yeah i do have something to say about this um and that is um later on when burbage says the worm studies again um when i was younger Um, I researched the, because I was like, worm studies, what's he talking about? So I looked around for worm studies when it had to do with like brain tissue, like contributing to like intelligence and stuff. And there is this, uh, I think his name was McConnell. There was a, uh, a scientist who had taken nematodes or, or not nematodes, but flatworms. And he had cut like the tail off of a flatworm and the flatworm had been taught to go through like a maze. And he took the tail of the flatworm, and when you do that, the tail will, like, grow a new brain and a body and everything. And that, according to him, that worm was able to traverse the maze just through memory of what it had been when it was the tail of that other thing. And then, later on, he did a study where he actually fed parts of, uh, of a flatworm that had gone through the maze to another flatworm, and then that flatworm traversed the maze. But... The flatworm is a very super simple, 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 simple organism. So in this case, and even later when he says, oh, man, Alan's the key. So if I, if I inject myself yeah. and I'm with Bella for two seconds, then all of a sudden that was the one to me where I was like, yes. you're making some significant leaps in the framework of the rules of this movie doing that. Right. But, yep. And that's but, exactly yeah. what I was thinking, like. Because I was like, okay, this all happened organically between Alan and Ella. Like, what makes you think that artificially with that that's going to work? I, I guess it did. But again, you know, they are making up their own rules. But it did not seem, it seemed like they had to have a mental, like, emotional connection Absolutely. for that Absolutely. link to start. Not just the serum. Jason Begg and Ella she, had Wouldn't she have been able to chemistry. control all the other monkeys once he started injecting them? You know, yeah, and none none of them, you know, uh, got intelligent or had any connection with anybody. You know, it was just between Alan and Ella. I think it's Alan a, a missed opportunity. Yeah. I think it's a missed opportunity that at some point there wasn't like a um, Gizmo versus Stripe thing, where <laughs> Ella, you know, where <laughs> Ella was doing that stuff. But then when when um, when Jeffrey did it, then he had like the fleet of. I mean, isn't that a missed opportunity? If that would have oh, worked yeah. like it did oh, with yeah. Ella, he should have been able to take those other ones and like wreak fucking havoc on Burbage. That would have been much more satisfying. That would have been much more satisfying in the end. But uh, I ended up yeah. reading the book um, 
by Michael Stewart that this was based off of loosely. But um, the strange part is, um, remember, um, I think I told you that a few things were coming up that I totally hadn't even remembered. And that was when I read that book, I was actually waiting in the hospital for my girlfriend to have spinal surgery. And it was a six hour surgery. And I read the whole book in six hours. And then for some reason, I was so freaked out by the surgery and, and the implications of it that it didn't even occur to me that I was reading a book about a guy who had had a spinal injury. And then I'm in, uh, I'm in the, that was so stupid. I was really young, but um, yeah. Oh yeah. I can't even ima- imagine being that engrossed in something that you'd like, Oh, the, the, there's no, the correlation between the two. Well, I totally had to. And, but that's the thing you would have thought that I, I would have been reminded, but maybe it just had to do with like the monkey thing. And another thing was um, when actually twice, when they come in in vans with the uh, with the handicapped like track thing on there, um, right. when my dad passed away, I ended up inheriting, or later on, I ended up getting it from uh, from his his uh, step family and stuff. I ended up getting this van that that they had bought because his wife had MS and stuff. But I ended up getting this van that had been outfitted for a guy with a hook for a hand, so everything was like switch. Everything was done by switches. There's a big switch panel. Yeah. It's, it's, it is basically the vehicle that I drive every day. So when the van pulled up, I have an Econoline with that exact setup where Dude. the chair thing comes out. And I was like, oh, man. I was even looking up front for the switches, and I couldn't see it. But I, it yeah, was they, got that part, they got that part right with the science of it, I guess. Yeah. So and, I, and, want yeah. To, I want to uh, find out who was providing this grant to Melanie that she can bring in literally a truck full of electronic equipment and totally like fit his house with like the phone thing and the lights. I mean, now that's obviously like pretty passe. We can all do that. But like, man, that was like an expensive little project and she got a grant for it. What? Yeah. Like her setup in the barn, even having like the yeah. testing room and everything, uh, it just seemed like she must have gotten one hell of a grant. I want to know who was writing those checks. And it's the only her? Seriously? She's the only one on this project? Yeah, and she had a good, like, 10, 12 monkeys, and they were all promised to people. Right, yeah. So, yeah, so you got to think occur. that all of them have their own light panels and freaking cards. You know, I think that it might have, it may have looked a little bit more legit if she would have had, like, um, little, like, college interns. Like helping her mm-hmm. out because uh, then her, it could have been if, like a grant from college, like a medical if college. If her or stuff wasn't in a barn, <laughs> a barn, maybe that's where she that's that's where she shaves off like the cost margin right there. I'm right. gonna put it in my barn, and I'm gonna put all the grant money towards <laughs> the actual project. Yeah, she was pocketing some of that money, I think. Yeah, you know, see, she's not not the not the wholesome character that we all made her out to be. Hey, man, I was pocketing. telling you, but everybody keeps you know. Giving her props. I think she's got something going. Now, who really do you think? What if she set the dog on him? What if she set the dog on him? Wow. (laughs) This is is getting deep, man. Aw, damn. Monkey Shines 2. Shiner. (laughs) That's the name of the dog is Shiner. Uh, Go ahead. Now, I got to ask. I'll pose the question to both of you, and whoever wants to answer first can answer. Who is the most reprehensible character in this movie because i know who i feel it is it is oh, truly but I, I i'm just curious to which one do you think is the is the worst 
I, dude, that is a tough question. It is. The first one that comes to mind for me is the mother. Uh, Interesting. I, I, because just like um, Rebecca said, I, I think that when you have, I, I couldn't quite put it in the words that she did it perfectly. When she said, you know, she's finally got her little boy back. He had grown up and become a man and went out on his own and independently did this. And he was kind of self-driven as an athlete. He was self-driven as a law student. So he had grown away from her some time ago. And now he's in her clutches, totally helpless to whatever. And she can also make him feel guilty for kind of spurning her in lieu of this little animal that's been helping him like every step of the way with no uh, added emotional baggage and shit. And she makes him feel bad. The whole time I was watching that part, I was just like, this guy is fucking paralyzed. You raised him from a baby baby. And now you're going to give him shit for not paying enough attention to what you're doing for him after he's finally found something that's right. like in the mouth. And a person to, that loves him despite his infirmity and shit. And then you're going to pull this crap and be jealous of her when she brings him home. And you know damn well that he's finally, finally found someone to love him and, you know, maybe even try to have sex with him. I mean, as an adult, you have to, if, if you said, well, we kept the phone off, you're going to assume that. So she was pissed and and jealous, even on the phone when she called. It gives me, like, but that's the thing, though, man. Everybody is reprehensible in this except for Bella. So it's difficult to weigh those. It's difficult to weigh that. It's difficult to weigh that. I think my answer is the nurse. Oh, my God. I forgot about the fucking nurse. Yep, that that was who I was choosing. Yeah, we haven't haven't talked about the nurse. That's such a major thing. Oh, my God. I know. Okay, the thing is, though, she's the only one who doesn't have any kind of emotional connection. She's there for a paycheck. So maybe that's why it's forgotten when you try to think of reprehensible, because, like, when you think of reprehensible, you usually think people have, like, something against what, you know, somebody else. She's just really bitchy and yeah he is getting pissy and whatever but who leaves their bird just flying around the goddamn house yeah to like peck was, out your his eyes. client's face you know he was, was trying to his claw out and peck out his eyes so i mean that's just like it's his fault well and she even said some snide comments you know like you know you're you know so good that you're here to take care of alan yes this is my cross to bear and it's like bitch you're being paid yeah you're doing it's, your, it's your job and also, must mention, must mention this: it's Romero's wife playing this this oh, character. Is it? You know, yeah, Christine um, Forrest it was I, Christine for, Romero. We were talking about Martin, and I, I remember her being kind of like the love interest in that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, she was in a lot of his movies. She was in like Dawn of the Dead, Creep Show. Uh, God, I know she was in where another was she, one. Where was she in Dawn of the Dead? She was with him. Uh, she shared the screen time with Romero at the beginning. She was the the in the TV station in the opening credits. Because I was thinking she must have been like a production uh, person in the in the studio. Yeah, she was in the studio with Romero on camera when they're arguing over, like, oh, you got those numbers, and she's like, what am I supposed to do? Pull them out of my ass? And that's like her basic <laughs> one scene, or you know, just playing a, a real bitchy kind of character, you know. Uh, well, I, I have to say, man, I have to say, my, uh, and I'm sure that yours trumps my own, but my experience with nurses as a whole, if I was to take an average of it, it's usually somewhere around. I've seen some serious desensitization in nursing, and uh, and this this lady, <laughs> she is really. Because I remember when I watched it as a kid. I remember thinking, 
fuck, she's really not nice. And, and later on, I was like, you know, there's, that happens a lot. I saw it a lot after that. So. Uh, Cam, I, I, Cam wrote a whole movie based on, around that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what part of this was a little hard to watch because I was just like, you know, like I've had a couple of them nurses. I've had a couple really great nurses just putting that out there. I'm not dissing the entire nursing profession, but I, I had a few doozies, you know, and I had a few doozy doctors as well, you know. And dude, I have this, to say it's 9010. Uh, the way I see it is 9010. I'd say that yeah. the 10, the 10 are like up for sainthood, and then the 90 is just. They suck because they just can't take, to me, I see it as they can't take the emotional burden of being cool to people during that because then they have to feel like, oh, man, they have to feel the pull of death and they have to feel a pull of, of having to feel for this person's in pain and stuff. So instead, they just cut it off and see it everything as like this imposition. Yeah. So that's that's the way I see that. Yeah, but she's definitely the most reprehensible character in the movie. I, I think a good second is Alan himself. I, re I really have oh, man, no feelings for it. He's just a bad person, you know. He just goes to the his most worst instincts. And, you know, and I have no idea how he feels. You know, none of us do. None of us have been paralyzed from the neck down. So, you know, none of us would know how Alan feels. But I feel like he doesn't handle it very well. And let's let's talk about the big elephant in the room. Let's talk about the elephant uh, or the monkey in the room at this point. When he starts mind melding or mind melding with uh, Ella at one point, and you know she starts escaping and starts running around and starts killing people. She's killing people for Alan. She's kind of reacting to his whim and his you know inclinations. And but but like what's the deal with him? with the fangs that start to produce um, the yeah um, like is yeah. it supposed to be representative representative of his animalistic side kind of coming to nature and he's kind of becoming her she's becoming him I, that's i'm just the way I see it. yeah that's the way i saw that's it too it's kind of like his animalistic right. side coming forth i mean they never go like full full-blown like monkey dude you know and have him transform in anything but he does get start to grow those fangs in just one little scene and they do a good job of hiding them you know they don't really show them pronounced yeah they're just yeah they're just kind of there and, and the thing is too when he first starts like you know they start locking into each other like she's just going out at first she's not doing anything bad she's just going out and having herself like a cool monkey you know night and so it also it. makes you think if Alan wasn't getting so angry about his situation, would Ella have been different? Like if he had been, if he had softened to his situation, is that why Ella turned? Like was Ella, like when he was like going back to school, you know, and things were going really well, is that why Ella was like happy, happy, joy, joy? And did she just turn because of him? Because they almost try to make it seem like Ella is turning him ragey. But I think it's I, the other way around. I, I wondered about that. I wondered if they were trying to um, show, and, I, and, my, and, and if this is the case, I think it's kind of clunky, where it's like, if you're primal, that means you're angry. If you're primal, it means you're bloodthirsty. And I think that that might have been what, where they were going. And like you said, that they might be saying that if he's, be, if he's feeling the primal... Uh, system that's going on inside of her psychology and stuff, then he's going to have no control over these like really deep seated demons of what he's feeling and stuff. 
and it's all going to come to the surface as this bloodthirst. Whereas, like, primal doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that. It probably means more like a instinct. simplicity. Right. Yeah, and, 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 and in his case, I, I think that they were trying, and yet again, I think that Ella might be uh, totally misal- misaligned in this, or ma- maligned. I think that she's maligned. I think that they're almost making it out as if the evil is inside of her, and he's mm-hmm. getting affected by that. And I, I think that that's off base. I mean, and then we also, of course, have, I mean, the fact that Ella's genetics are being messed with, which is never a good thing. Um, and we have, like, the one time... Are you still there? Yep, I'm still here. Okay. You still there, Corey? Oh, did we lose Corey? For a second. Yeah, I think he might have ditched out for a second. Um, All right, well, we'll but, keep going. Hopefully he'll come back. So, um, this is a little down the line, but when... Um, Jeffrey comes over and he still wants to experiment on Ella. He can't, and this is where I think his douchiness really comes out because he couldn't leave well enough alone. He couldn't just be like, you know what? I created something that, you know, the smart monkey and it's making my friend really happy and blah, blah, blah. He has to keep going. And that's where his like humanity like turns. And I think that was one too many doses for Ella. Because she got pissed off. Oh, yeah. She did not like being stuck with that needle again. She was not having it. She was going to chop old uh, Jeffrey's fingers off. Yeah. Which maybe she should have. But. Hey. Does anyone know what that pencil was? The what? Does anyone know what that, that, like, um, kitchen utensil was? Yeah. It's a chopper. It's like a a chopper chopper thing. Like, yeah, you can chop, like, onions and stuff with it really fast. Yep, I remember uh, having those in the house in the '80s. Because <laughs> I, I, I was, I mean, I figured it was something like that, but I was really, I didn't know what that was. But it looked like it would have worked for that. He would have yep. lost some fingertips on that one, but yeah. But you but know, did anyone, uh, go ahead, go sorry, ahead. What? I was going to no, say, no, no. um, did anyone ever mention? Because to me, it it like hit me over the head when I was a kid, and it seemed so damn obvious, but no one ever brought it up that when, even though they named her Ella due to like the scientific name or whatever um mm-hmm. she always went for kind of like the big band show tunes and, and different things like that so it made me think of ella fitzgerald so it, it made me wonder, same here yeah it made me wonder if there was a thing there but no one ever maybe it was just like an understood thing it, it just never came up maybe it was just something they threw in there hoping uh somebody like us the you know <laughs> i guess years later would catch it <laughs> Or, or maybe it's that. totally, completely coincidence, but if you mentioned it, they'll totally take credit for it, you know? Right, Somebody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody would be like, well, yeah, that's exactly what we meant. Oh, <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> yes, um, yes. I totally thought at that one point when um, when they were having their little, almost like getting to know you scene or, or stuff, 
when Melanie's like, or when uh, when Alan's like, is it okay if I do whatever? And and Melanie's like, oh, have her, whatever you want. She's your slave. And I was like, um, I don't think I think that's a little off base too, because I mean, since there's such, I mean, there's there's inherently this relationship that has to to happen in order for them to work together. So it seems really strange that someone, especially who's been around that and been training training people and animals to do that kind of stuff. I thought it was really strange for her to refer to Ella as a slave, his slave. Yeah. And in that, yeah. and in that respect, maybe that's the um, maybe that's Romero pointing and going, you know, when you think that Ella's responsible, or when it looks as if Ella is supposed to be colored as responsible for all this shit. Remember what Melanie she's, said. Right. She's, her, she's so trained she's, to do it. So if that's the case, if that's really the case, that means that she. There's very few things in this movie that she's responsible. There are stuff, there is things that she's responsible for, but very, very, very little. Well, that just leads me to believe that even, you know, with the the first time we kind of get a little bit of Ella vision, as I call it, you know, where she sneaks out and ends up leaving the dead bird, the dead bogey and Mary (laughs) Flipper, you know. And again, I hate dead animals. I I don't don't like dead animals. And that was like. A bird that was out of it. I don't know if the yeah, bird. Yeah, that was definitely a drugged out bird. That was not a puppet. That was not, uh, you know, any kind of animatronic. That was a real bird, either oh. drugged up or playing dead. Play, playing dead very well, I might add. And <laughs> yes, the, so well as we know now. And the, like, I just like the correlation that it, it was this. She left it in the same shoe that she had dropped her banana peel in earlier on in the yeah. film. It's really like it's almost like Ella going, "Yeah, bitch, you know it's me. You know it's me that killed your damn bird." And I, I do mean, feel like that was Ella. <laughs> I feel like she sat there and watched, and she couldn't do anything about it. And I think that was Ella. But then once we get to the next one, because the first time she's just running around, Ella Vision. First time is she's just running around right. outside. But then that second time, yeah, then we've got the the bird thing, and I think that's really I, her. But it's like it's kind of like. You know what? Somebody fucks with you. I'm gonna beat their yeah. ass. You know, yeah. I mean that kind of thing. Like I got your back, buddy. But like, but then the next one where she burns the cabin down, where the the ex girlfriend and the doctor are. I mean, he realizes that she she got the idea from him. She did not have the idea and put pass it to him. He had it and he gave it to her. And then yes. she again just goes to show that she is she is just kind of feeding off of whatever anger he has, and not vice versa. And you know, and by association, like when uh, when we were saying that, like you know, she's about it's not ninety ten again. About ninety percent of it is coming through him. There's a little bit of self defense. There's a little bit of her, like you said, being like you fuck with Alan, you fuck with me, I fuck with you. So she does that. And then there's this little tiny bit at the very end where you're like, she's fucking jealous. She's had enough. And this is, it's all over with. So there's a little tiny, tiny, tiny bit in there. But then on the other hand, it makes me wonder though. I mean, we keep saying is Alan being colored by her. I wonder if she's being colored by Alan. And that's like when she starts striking out and doing stuff, like that just might be a byproduct of her fulfilling his desires. Like oh, yeah. that, no, if, totally. if, if she may have been, right on the head. 
No, that's exactly what's happening is like, and she's not, but she's not doing it. I don't think intentionally. I think that's just what, I mean, that's, she's been, her brain's been screwed around with. And so when that telepathy comes up, she's just going to do whatever she can do for her master. It's that whole idea that like, it's like a, a primal creature has been given some semblance of human emotions, but maybe like our basest emotions and sure. so, like, what would you do if you didn't have, you know, shame or, you know, like, conscious or, you know, all those other things that, like, keep us from doing shit, like burning down the cabin? Right, right. And then the, the worst uh, thing happens into the mix. We're getting a little bit off track here, but the next note I had was, guess what? Mama sold her business, sold her house. Um, She's moving uh, in and becoming... <laughs> Gonna become your new nurse. Hated himself a second time. Oh yeah, I would have totally been like throwing my wheelchair down the goddamn stairs. Like, no, I can't watch another movie. I can't listen to you anymore, mom. It makes me wonder if Romero might have patterned her after somebody specifically because even her, her haircut, her outfit, her makeup, her everything—it's so just right fucking there. Like Mm -hmm. you would never mistake this woman for anything else than what she ends up being yeah it's so dressed to the nines every hour of the day never see her in pjs or ruffle apron always yes (laughs) she almost looks a little like june cleaver yeah like a twisted version of june cleaver yeah all but I could think of instantly. was the rings that are in her ears are totally the ones that John Candy was selling in planes, trains, and automobiles, flat out. <laughs> <laughs> he bought he bought the for her ears. Yeah, she bought shower curtain rings. There you go. <laughs> the little link to John Candy and Steve Martin. But she's um, a horrible character, horrible mother. Like, and she completely just wants to uh, disown the idea that her hunt her son's hand possibly moved the way she like gets oh. on him and you know what, you and, know what? You know, it, that totally seals it that's where she becomes the most reprehensible right exactly right there yeah. i'm thinking i was like are you kidding me that you wouldn't allow for the littlest tiny molecule of hope especially yeah. since i mean she had to have seen that it was totally obvious that that had happened right in front of her face yeah, like he yeah. looks down surprised. Like you saw that, right? You like you were looking at that, right? You were looking at me. It moved, and like, oh no, no, it couldn't have moved. It won't move. It'll never yeah, move. Like, yeah, she has oh no, God. yeah, not even a glimmer of hope. And that's exactly. So I watched this with Heather, um, Heather Richardson, um, and that was like, I mean, she oh. got pissed off at that. She was just like, what, what? The mom didn't even like consider it. Like, I mean, she was like going off the rails, you know, about that. But yeah, like. You wouldn't be happy or like have a little bit of anything, no, because she I mean, wants him to be incapacitated. I already tried to kill himself once. Give him some fun, even if it ends up being, uh, even if you're you know trying to to wear your cynicism down and for a little bit of hope. I mean, for Christ's sake, give him a little bit of something. That right. was unbelievable. Yeah. I you know I, I changed my vote on that one, or no maybe I, no no I said that to begin with didn't I yeah yeah I was for the mother the whole. Time. So yeah, you were, fucking, yeah, you were for the mom. I'm still yeah, going with the yeah. nurse just because she was a complete cunt all the way around. Mom right. has mom has some emotional things going on there too. You know, um, you guys were talking, bad. You were talking about good. 
Osprey is like the worst and stuff. Um, I in my notes and maybe I don't know. I I I feel fucked up about this now, but basically I wrote John Pankow rules. I said not enough stuff. Manages to be irresponsible, scumbag, intelligent, brash, and charming all at once in this movie. <laughs> Especially and driving like, that car. <laughs> yeah, the, the note I made was, shouldn't a scientist of his caliber have a nicer car? A little bit nicer car? At least a newer maybe, Volkswagen? Maybe that's supposed to, maybe that's the juxtaposition to Burbage. Like, maybe it's supposed to show him as this kind of like, he's all, uh, he's all brain. He has no fashion sense. Like his his outfits are outlandish, but like of course when he's in the when he's in the hospital and he sees them two together and he's like, wow. And he flat out he he hit her with the C right there. He didn't hesitate right. for when he's, that's, the, that's the line I had written down. Best line in the movie: clinical depression syndrome. Syndrome, huh? What about you're a cl- clinical cunt? Because I'll say it. I, I, I was just like, that's the best line of the movie. Because he he has no problem letting her know exactly what she is. And just, let's face it, she, both those people, uh, Linda and Weinstein, or, or, uh, uh, or Weisman, 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 Dr. Weisman. Weisman. But yeah, I, uh, I, I remember that one part where he's listened to his messages. I've said shit like that so many times. It was like, I like to see you in my office. It says I like to see you dead. I do that shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, answering back like, yeah, no, they can't hear me. <laughs> oh, oh and God. then let's, let's, let's get let's get to the the the, the next what the fuck moment. Uh, the most awkward lovemaking scene ever yes. committed. To Dude, I have to feel like I'm disagree with you guys about this one. Inter, inter, inter- I know. I I actually thought it was kind of hot that she was using like his like fucking disabled his pulley thing as a sex swing for years. I when anyone asked me that. what the sexiest love scene in a movie was, I said it was the cunnilingus scene from Monkey Shines, and they're like, what are you about? <laughs> "Like this paraplegic guy is laying there." Because like if you think about it, and of course even as a kid, I was like. Everything he does all day long is with his fucking mouth, so you can guarantee he's not going to be... <laughs> you guarantee she is going to be a satisfied fucking customer at the end of that crap. He does well, everything with... He's a professional athlete, you know, so there's also oh, that yeah. guy going... <laughs> yep. But it's still just so awkward. The way it's intercut with the, the monkeys and the other... I mean, yeah, they're, they're okay. making out fucking in a barn in the other half of the area that's not being used by the monkeys. Hey man, look, they couldn't use uh, Ace Ventura already used um, in the jungle, the mighty jungle. You can't use that again. You can't have that anymore. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's some there's some weird like you know they're trying you know primal instinct or something. They're trying to like correlate there, but there's yeah, like, we were talking fact. about that too. And um, Heather's like, God, I mean, they're just letting the monkeys watch. And I'm like, Hey, I've got a bedroom full of Barbie dolls, so I can't throw stones <laughs> in this glass so- house. Everybody, a, all right. Everybody on on this call has probably got a pet and has had their pet watch them at one time doing uh-huh. something that they wouldn't want anybody else watching them to do. It's it's not that weird, but it is just it's weird to see on film and to see you know all these monkeys in cages yeah, the monkeys, going, you going know, crazy about. Yeah, they're going crazy because you know people are getting it on in the next room. The pheromones are out. You know, they're just going nuts. It's just a weird juxtaposition of shots. And to be honest, um, I. Kind of feel like I wasn't paying enough attention there because for some reason I didn't put it together. They were in the same 
Like I thought that that they were far enough away that there was at least. I mean, there, it, there's a partition and stuff. Okay. But like the practice room only has like one, like one wall. Right. It's, it's open ended kind of on the, the other corner side. of the barn. I mean, I, I think thing, I, maybe the they practice. maybe they couldn't see. I don't know, but I mean, it's definitely like one big room with just like a little wall partition. Yeah, and that's the way I t I took it, but it was still it was just oddly edited. But oh god, the next what the fuck uh, moment because I have five major what the fuck moments, so I'm hitting number right. three here. When uh, Alan and mother, is she uh, who knew, uh, calls their mom mother? Oh, so yes, much. totally had a rant about this. But uh, anyway, you know where he basically has an argument with her. She's telling him she doesn't like how he's acting. She, he tells her, she, you know, he doesn't. He basically doesn't like her, and he doesn't give a fuck about her. And she unleashes the slaps of fury. Oh I wrote, my god! Damn! Oh, oh, like, totally. She, I mean, there's a guy who's totally un. He can't defend himself at all. Yeah, if he wanted to, he couldn't. And she slaps upper eleven hell out of him. I'm like, wow, that's fucking. That's harsh. This is just, okay, and dude, it, it, he's a law student. I'm sure he knows five fucking million things that he could throw the book at you for. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's like, you know, fucking taking advantage of, you know, a, a disabled person and fucking abusing them and all that stuff. He could get you thrown in jail for the rest of your fucking life, Mom. And also, right. if she would have gotten close enough, he would have been like, Mom, come here. Just give me a, give me, just give me a boom head. She'd have been done. <laughs> he would have done what he did to Ella. Yeah, that's oh son of a bitch. That, that's another big what the fuck moment coming up. Well, actually, the next what the fuck moment is Ella takes out uh, Mom. She comes back now. We're getting well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because I had the next scene that really got to me that we have to backtrack a little bit is that one of the saddest scenes in the movie when Alan says he wants Ella gone. He wants her gone now. <laughs> He tells Jeffrey, yeah, he tells Jeffrey, don't bring her back. And when they're dragging her away, it's, it's oh my sad. god. Oh it's my god. Sad. It breaks my fucking oh. heart. It was it was wrenching me. And all I could think of was like, dude, your fucking thoughts right here. Like she didn't know a goddamn thing about uh uh what's her name? Janet? I don't remember. Linda. Linda. She didn't oh, know Linda. a fucking about Linda and Dr. Wiseman until your thoughts got into her fucking head. You can't I mean, you would have thought that he, I almost think that it would have been better for him as a character. He would have been a lot less reprehensible, like we said, if it would have been a thing like, that they kind of have early or later rather, but it would have been a thing where it's him and her in the room and he kind of looks at her and says, you did it, didn't you? And she kind of like comes over and like hugs him and shit. Like it would have made sense if he would have been like, we were in this together. I'm responsible yes. You were and my. He takes no responsibility for it. And, and or if even when they are taking her away, if he's like, Ella needs to be away from me. Ella is doing bad things because she's around me. It's not that. He's like just totally dismissing her. This is where it becomes fatal attraction. He just totally like dumps her. There you go. Fatal attraction. Right, yeah. Yep. This is fatal attraction with a primate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then. then... She, you know, on this time, I don't know quite if she was acting on her own or she was acting out part of what Alan was wanting, being angry at his mother. But she throws the old hair dryer in the bathtub and, you know, mm -hmm. sorry about your mom, but not sorry. Not really. Mm -hmm. you, you know, and he has yeah. that come to Jesus moment where he does at least realize in part he doesn't take responsibility for it. But he's like, yeah. I killed them. I killed all of them is what he says. But he mm -hmm. doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really yeah, own so up 
Right. He does, he still like plays the victim and I hate that. And like, like think about it too. How would a monkey know about electricity, you know, and like throwing a hairdryer and she's learned that from the human element, i.e. you and the shit she's been injected with. It's just like the phone call thing where it's like, uh, where she won't call Jeffrey because he's because standing he right there. Know. Yeah, because right, he's, he's standing, right there. Yeah. And he's like, walk out, walk out, whatever. I mean, she's putting these things together because she's been artificially uh, changed into more of a human. Holy shit. I just had a fucking epiphany. Uh-oh. I just had an epiphany. Okay. This is something that we haven't thought about at all. And the lady that he got the fucking brain from was a Jane Doe. What if she was a fucking lunatic? What if she had homicidal impulses that's being given to everybody due to the brain injection and the connection between him, between her and Alan? Could be. Could be a Jane Doe, right? Had all of that. Jane Doe who died in surgery? Missed that, and you never find out who the fuck she is. What if she was the one that had the murderous impulse and all these connections due to the brain and shit? Everybody gets that from that brain, and it's it's mostly uh, Alan. It's nothing. Yeah, but even even Jeffrey gets a little bit of it when he injects himself. But so would that be an Abby normal brain? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, 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 <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't fucking help myself. I, I go for the lowest common denominator here, man. Dude, I can't help, I'm sorry, so. but I'm. I'm editing a movie right now that, like, every five minutes we have a Young Frankenstein reference, so don't <laughs> apologize. <laughs> oh, but what, tell me what is more terrifying in this movie than when Ella gets her hand, when she comes back to Alan's house and, you know, Jeffrey's looking for her and, you know, Alan is kind of meandering around the house looking for her as well and she gets a hold of that fucking straight razor. It is kind of terrifying. <laughs> You know, um, there's, uh, for me, personally, for me, for whatever reason, puncture scares me more than slicing. So when he was, when she was, like, fucking around with the needle by uh, Melanie's eye, and, like, kind of, that was was freaking me out more than the straight razor was. (laughs) Uh, So, so, um, yeah, when that, uh, okay, so I even said, because, like, Heather's like, why doesn't she just put the needle in the girl's eye? And I said something and I wrote it down. Well, even the monkey understands dramatic effect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there's something I almost forgot. And I I wrote a note on this too. I think the coat hanger attack, where she slices her with a coat hanger end. Oh, yeah. That's That's another thing. Things, fuck. Yeah. Well, Well, I mean, just... His hand, when his ha- uh, Jeffrey's hand is sliced from that razor and shit. Oh, oh. I was wondering me, like, he would really come in. Well, and then... Uh, got just, oh, yeah. I got the Savini effects going full throttle here. You know, he, he didn't have many bloody moments, but, you know... Yeah. When was. But when uh, they do a little cat and mouse for a while, and then Melanie's on the way, and then Ella... I get, gives Jeffrey, I guess, what would you call it? Or whatever he had in that syringe, it gives him a hot dose that's going to kill him. I like. I'm not so sure that I think that he might have a little bit of resilience towards that, but in the end, yeah, it makes you. Awesome. you put is, it, is it not the same stuff he was taking to try to stay up? Or it's probably something different. It's it, no, it he's been doing so much shit. 
because like I know it's from the color profile of it. The stuff he was given to Ella was yellowish. Yep. The stuff he was injected himself with was almost kind of reddish. Yeah. And this stuff was milky colored. So there was three different concoctions. I think he was trying to give her something that would kill yeah, her. I think it's the se- I, well actually I was saying during the movie I was like, "Oh, she's trying to give him the set a give." So, there you go. Set a give. Set a give. Well, but she does. She gives him the hot dose and it's a great long drawn out death scene the way his mind is just slowly going as he's yeah. like you know, kind of getting a little loopy and getting a little doped up. Yeah. And I, I felt nothing for his character as he died. I, I, I love the no, character. I mean, yeah. He's the guy that you love to hate. But as he died, I was just like, well, you certainly got everything you had coming to you. And you it know? seems like also uh, Alan was just like, well, he didn't really have a lot of, it didn't seem like he was really affected by that. Well, he was guy. really Not pissed much. at that point in time because Jeffrey did tell him about the experiments. And I oh, love how he right. says... Right, I forgot about he that. He says, oh, so you were just making me, like, you were just doing an experiment on me. Well, no, not at first. I really wanted to help. So <laughs> insinuating that as things went on, he really didn't give a shit about his friends, so I don't blame him. Right, but the right. Phone, the phone stuck in the wheelchair. It was driving me insane. Because, okay, first of all, that's totally believable because... Like, I had a phone in our kitchen, like, and I could stretch it 20 feet to my freaking bedroom and it would never break. But I was like, why doesn't he back up the chair and, like, you know, kind of jiggle it out or whatever? And then, like, he's <laughs> he's struggling for so long, just like, just get the phone, get the phone. And then, like, when he does do it, like, literally two seconds later, the phone, like, disengages. Pops like, out yeah. Duh. And, and then I wrote, the, like, I don't know if they meant it like this, but I, all I could think of was Tom Atkins when he's like, stop it, stop it. Like, man, Jason is a good actor, but he ain't no Tom Atkins when he starts doing that. Stop it, stop it, just stop it. I'm like, no, they didn't do that. But this is like another big what-the-fuck moment, a dirty trick when Alan just tells, when he's trying to trick Ella, he's like, he tells her straight up, you know, I'm going to beat you because I'm a human and we lie and we cheat and we deceive. And then he does the whole bit where he's like, music, Ella, I'm going to have some music, I'm going to dance. Because when they first meet, she That's... grabs the tape, puts on the, the whole timey music, and then hugs him and like, it's yeah, obvious. She turns off the lights and makes him stop working. And like yeah. hugs him and stuff. Oh my god, it broke my heart. It's a, yeah, it's a lovey-dovey moment, and he uses that against against her. And then when that doesn't work, he uses another trick. He's like, "Take me away, take me outside, like you did before," which is an even dirtier trick. And because then Melanie shows up, and just at the time he you know he gets her out of the house, so obviously you know Ella attacks Melanie, knocks her out. But this is the the one moment of levity in the film. I, I there's a, a weird sense of humor between Alan and Jeffrey, you know, and there's a little bit of humor there. But like when Ella pisses on Alan's lap, and he's just like, <laughs> "You dirty little bastard," you know. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I she pissed on him. I'll, I'll be honest. I've had some uh, some things with my dog before where it'll honestly seem like this animal that probably isn't doing any of that shit intentionally. It's almost as if they're like, see what I'm doing right now? I am taking a shit on your fucking floor right now. Right no, now. no. When I leave, 
when I leave for like several days, my one dog, he gets belligerent and he has certain spots and he pees. He gets mad that I'm gone. And then when I get back, he continues to do it just oh, wow. to kind of prove it to me. I mean, it's totally intentional. He's, we like, have a know, cat. he's like 14 years old, man. He's not, he's not yeah. incontinent, but he's not a puppy either. He knows where to pee, but it's almost like, bitch, you left me here by myself. Whenever I'm my wife leaves, whenever she's gone for a day, we have one cat. We have two cats. One's pretty much mine. One's pretty much hers. And her cat will pee in a certain spot outside in the hallway, outside her office because she's gone and she's not home mm -hmm. for the day. And it's just like no, no other time. You know, just to kind of to show yep. show his ass and be like, "Hey, mom, what the fuck?" Yeah, so that is a very animal thing to do. It is a very animal thing, but it's very intentional. Very intentional. Now, I will say the other thing that it made me laugh, but it also broke my heart. She made him a candlelight dinner. Oh, oh my god! god. Uh, first time in this time. Yeah, it just but it was, it was like it was like thin mints and like grapes. Oh, it was like her little her little treats. And then some so, grapes that, and a banana in the candles. Oh my god! For her, because like all the um all the heartfelt shit that he was doing, he flat out telegraphed it that it was all lies. But she had already done that, and that made me think that was like, um, that was an olive branch that she was trying to get it all back together again. Yeah. With them. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't know. It was kind of like saying, you know, like, "Hey, dude, I'm sorry. I know I was bad." But it's kind of your fault. But hey, look what I did for you, anyways. Yeah. yeah I mean, and then he just gets to... pissed at her because she keeps feeding him. No more food. No more food. <laughs> what? You don't like my cooking, motherfucker? Okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't need you anymore. Oh. <laughs> He's going to be a damn dog. What the fuck do you bitch. want? Steak tartare? <laughs> I think they, oh, man. Every time somebody says steak tartare, I think it waxwork. But uh, oh. with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, with her putting her hands in his mouth, I always thought, I was like, Damn, he he really had a good chemistry with her because that would have been um, a little nerve wracking having those little hands like going in your mouth like that for for that. But um, and well, like I mean, she was well, she, I mean this this monkey was highly highly trained. Obviously. Oh my god! Um, and the monkey's name we should mention though at one point the monkey's name was Boo. Boo. The, the real monk. The real monkey's name was Boo, yeah. which is. That's very interesting. Uh, I wonder if Boo has it. Does Boo have any other credits? To I think um, it's, it, it's actually. I have least. IMDb. I have IMDb open. Uh, let me look. Actually, no. Only only uh, credit oh, and the only bit of trivia is Boo is a monkey. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, like thanks for clarifying that. I bet Boo's lineage goes through um, Ace Ventura, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Night at the Museum. I bet I bet her progeny. Had to do with all that stuff. Yeah, Marcel uh, the monkey. But speaking of outbreak monkeys, one of the things that came up to me, and this is backtracking again, but when he slid that brain out, what occurred to me was I'm like, okay, this is 1988. Uh, that was like right in the middle of the of the first uh, Mad Cow Country, like when Crotsfoit Jakob disease and like. Mm -hmm. A bunch of form encephalopathy was going around everywhere. He could not have gotten that brain. I think he stole that motherfucker. I he, do too. I, I and especially it's Jane Graves. Doe. Like it's a Jane Doe who died in the surgery. You're telling yeah, me they were right? in the surgery on someone they didn't know who she was. Yeah. yeah. 
fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm calling bullshit on that one as well. <laughs> it just uh, it occurred to me. I was like, oh, fuck. It's a crazy homeless chick. Right, right. And that, that might have been part of what drove Ella nuts. That's the one, you know, area that they never explored. And you're right, uh, Corey. They didn't really ever, like, tap into that. That's, you know, I don't know if that was even a part of the book. You read the book. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure if that ever was a part of it. I, you know, you know what, man? Now that you say that, Jesus, I didn't even thought, because I haven't read it in years. That was like, that was like probably 90, 98 when I read that book. So, uh, I can't remember. I need to revisit it because it may have had that that uh, that part that element. Yeah, that might have been hey. something maybe that was lost in the translation of the book. Something thematically be, that they just couldn't get across. This can be a weird little element that I don't know if you guys noticed. It seems like I'm picking up on the weirdest little bullshit in this movie. Do you guys remember when he was initially calling Wiseman's office to kind of see if he could catch her and Linda and him together, or right. at least? if there was whatever when the lady reads back the phone number that he's going to be at did you notice what yeah. she said jl something something i don't know she used the she used the alphabetical prefixes for right. the number yeah she used yeah like the klondike blah 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 like the old school stuff and i was like wow that's like a really old school way of doing that it made me want to do that how, in 88 what's that now we did not do that in 88 see that's what i was thinking too and that i never was more like late 70s that was probably phased out by the early 80s i would think so now it makes me wonder like how long this script has been running around maybe he got this script a long fucking time before they did i thought i had read that the book it came out in 83 but i might be wrong yeah Yeah. the timing of that seems really weird but it did but it because i mean i can see like if they were on campus if it was actually a campus extension That'd have been different, but that wasn't what this was all about. This that was like at the hospital and whatnot. And then he and they're talking about the cabin, right? Right, they're at the cabin. Right. Now I will say I'm just counting. So, so if you J and L were uh, for whatever freaking reason, I remember those are the those are the extensions or the like, you know the first two digits. That is actually five and five. So it is still a five 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 number. Well, I'll be a son of a bitch. So they actually did that for the 555 even? Now that... I'm guessing so. That's funny. That's funny shit. That's eagle eye and eagle ears right there, man. That is funny. That is funny as fuck. That is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, uh, But we digress. We digress. Again, getting back, let's let's talk about the pretty much the final scene of this movie. Where... I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it, but we got to talk about it because it's my final "what the fuck" moment of the movie. You know, as Alan. Well, one, Alan is magically just by sheer force of will moving his hand to hit the play button on the boombox, which I call complete bullshit on. I'm not so sure that's how that works. I don't think. Yeah. No, and and that is one of my main problems with this is the portrayal of quadriplegia. First of all, how conveniently it is that. He could be reversed and be fine. Secondly, how he can just move at will, because that's what the doctor wanted him to do. But thirdly, how he can sit up straight, like when he's getting that bath and stuff. And like in his wheelchair, he moves like way too much of his head and his shoulders. Right. Way too much. In the bone collector, I remember thinking they need whenever they do, whenever they show someone who has uh, quadriplegia, 
if you're using an actor that doesn't have quadriplegia, you need to come up with like, like a prosthetic chest that you're going to put over them and like lock them to something so you can't have all these little muscles moving around because like you said he's he's a muscular he's an athletic man so he's got a lot of uh, control over his body but you're not using neck muscles the way he did to do mm-hmm. like a lot of this even though he's right. uh, he's strong enough to you know get her there he doesn't have the strength to to do some of the stuff he was doing and you can see like his deltoids working in you can see his pecs yeah. working in so it and maybe that's splitting hairs i don't know but when it comes to the way that this has to, this final battle, uh, you have to have that in play, and he wouldn't have had that in play. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it. And I think that it would have been a little more believable if the doctor would have been like, if the doctor would have said, "Well, you know what? When that wreck happened, the damage, uh, the damage was different than what he, what he diagnosed." So actually, what had happened was you you had a, a vertebra you had a, a vertebra that was knocked out of place and caused like a nerve hiccup that made it seem as if you wouldn't be able to use your limbs and stuff. And if that would have been fixed, you would have been able to do that again. But the surgery that he ended up doing, you're fucked for life. He actually like, that fucked was you up. Everybody, right. everybody lauded that doctor for like being so brilliant. Yeah, like he actually, I mean, and he does, they do kind of play into that because he is kind of like, you know, you fucked me over, blah, 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 you know. Right. And he really did. Me I mean, the, that guy even says, hey, listen, I mean, you know, you got hit by a truck. To be fair, you got hit by a truck. I mean, you're going to hit, so <laughs> the doctor's going to look at the most obvious thing. They're not going to look for the, congenital shit. Right, yeah. a major he, had a, he had a brick impact to the base of your skull. You know, we figured out what the problem was. Right. Uh, I think that, that at one point, it would have been great if, uh, if Alan would have been like, thank you, doctor, but I did have one question. Why the long face? <laughs> that guy has the longest head of, like, anyone, any actor. And oh, it, yeah. I just can't get over it. But um, right. that was a joke. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but um bumps. Sounds but I'm not so sure that the the final scene that you're talking about and the final scene that I think is the final scene are, are going to gel. Well, but yeah, get in get into well, the, the, uh, get into the but the final what the fuck moment I, I call it uh, is you know he lures her in he moves his hand he puts the tape you know not puts the tape in but hits the play button and he what lures a, her in with a bunch whole, of sweet talk you know a bunch of lovey dovey uh-huh. type of talk like come on baby yeah dance like we used to come on get in close. And I hate to even know his word, but he bites her right in the neck like Rick Rhymes on Walking Dead, just tears her friggin' throat out, whips Rashing her, her with his his suddenly mobile neck and shoulders. Mobile neck and shoulders and just back and forth and back and forth. And even if you just discount the probability that he would use any of these muscles like he is, because he wouldn't. But it's just the fact that this is supposed to be the heroic moment of the movie, I think. You know, like, he's going to defeat... Ella, but like it's it's not that at all. Ella didn't nope. deserve any of this. And in, in my opinion, and this is the this is the the line that I wrote down, and it's probably will divide fans, really. But you know, the wrong animal died. That that's my opinion right there. The oh, wrong. Oh, right. Absolutely. No. I mean, how great would it have been? Um, how great? Well, number one, the first thing that came to mind is, I think that it would have been a much more believable thing 
if he would have gone up and back, up and back, rather than the side to side. I think he might have been capable of going up and back, up and back. So then right. the side yeah. to side, he shoulder muscles to do that. But um, the second thing was, what if this happened? What if after all of this, uh, I mean, granted, definitely it's a happy ending. Totally undeserved. Undeserved, totally undeserved. yeah. What if, check this out, they get back to the honeymoon home at the barn, and Melanie's like, get him. And all the <laughs> There are a few parts in this that reminded me of Willard. And mm-hmm. in the... Oh, yes. In the book that Willard is based on, it's called The Ratman's Notebooks. William Gilbert. It's fucking awesome. Um, I, well, at least it's Gilbert. I think it's William. But uh, The Ratman's Notebooks, I think they should... Uh, this is a side topic, but I think they should remake Willard because... Um, there's a lot of shit in that book that would be awesome on screen, and they didn't even do it in the re- remake. But um, there's a lot of moments that that reminded me of that, and it would have been great if Melanie got if Melanie got one back for Ella, because really, you know, I don't did Melanie even like did she raise a hand to Ella? I can't remember now. I don't yeah, believe I mean, so. There were a couple times she kind of just like swatted her playfully, like. No, you can't. Like when she was shaving him, she's like, "Okay, there's one thing you don't know how to do. Just, you know, I mean, but nothing." Well, and I think, um, you know, Ella might have looked upon Melanie because, you know, she looked at the blood kind of oddly and whatnot, and got disturbed by. So maybe she kind of thought of it as, you know, in terms of Melanie hurt Alan, and she was very much, you know, Ella was obviously much in love with Alan and very jealous. Yeah. Well, you know, Ella was in love with Alan. It 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 was a, a. that kind of relationship, you know, but uh, I think you know, she was so very jealous. We say fatal attraction, but um, she's nowhere near as culpable as uh, as uh, Glenn Close in that movie. There's no way. Um, well, but she was that- actually like told back that he loves her and they had a relationship. It wasn't a one night stand like in fatal attraction. Wasn't, yeah. you know, just like a little fling or whatever. This wasn't a fling. This was a real relationship. And then he just ditched her. He really, really ditched her fucking bad. Because, I mean, when you get down to, to all of this, you could totally say, you know, I gave her all of those impressions. I gave her all of those uh, desires and thoughts because I honestly believe that we had this connection. Like I'm riding on her back, like Beastmaster, like through these, like through. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'm, I'm responsible. Everybody's gone. Ella's not to blame. I'll harbor the guilt. They can't prove that I did it. So even if I was to, to confess, they wouldn't believe me. What I'm going to do is, is I'm going to try to have a better understanding with Ella and we're going to move on with our lives. I'm not going to blame her for this. Because, yeah, like, and that would have made it more redeemable. Yeah, in their little happy ending thing at the end where he goes out of the hospital and he's like, on a crutch, you know, and that's about it, or whatever. Yeah, if he would have just been like, you know, Ella wasn't at fault. I Ella, you know, like if they made some kind of statement about like, you know, Ella was messed with. Ella Ella was good at heart and, and you know, humans She was a, not, not a good monkey. She was the best monkey. She was yeah. the best yeah. monkey. <laughs> But she I but clean. Like, she made him a pita. My God. Yeah, yeah. She was talking about that pita, and that looked good to me. That looked really oh, yeah, that good. Pita looked looked awesome. Good to me. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, and was like, the only one that I saw. And I, I, like, I want to clean the only one here. Am I the only one here, though, that hates that last scene? One for two reasons. I'll give you two reasons. One is another surgical scene, and those just you know, send fingernails down my spine, no pun intended. And two, the jump scare. Like, the Dude, jump scare I, of Ella coming out of his back was just... As a rule, um, I, I actually stopped watching Winchester because it was just a series of jump scares. I was really disappointed. I like... Especially, I think that if you're going to have one, the end is the place for it. And to me, what came out was so ghoulish looking. I I thought it was a very effective jump scare. And that was just me. Not me. I thought it was a complete, just an idiotic uh, (laughs) way to say that the monkey's off his back. And I think that's stupid and cheesy. Oh, I didn't even. That's great. That's great. I never even considered that, but yeah, now that you say it, it makes kind of perfect. Yeah, and I, I don't like that. Like, I mean, it's it's not clever. It's cheesy, but not cheesy in a... And I guess, again, I'm just so defensive of Ella. Maybe, like, if yeah. it was really a bad monkey, I would have, like, laughed at that, but... You know, I, I guess I didn't... I never saw it as Ella. I think I saw it as... Um, I think that I saw it as the animal that was in him. I never saw that as But my whole idea of, about that scene and we get the happy, happy ending, you know, where he Aww. gets wheeled out to Mel- Melissa in a wheelchair and he gets up on a crutch and have the tender moment as he gets Which in. That would not band. happen, by the way. His muscles no, would be no. so atrophied. It would take him a long time to be able to actually stand. Anyway. Oh, taking months and months. But the, the, the line I have here is my very last and final note. As Alan doesn't deserve this new chance at life. He totally doesn't yeah. deserve it. You know, that's uh, why the ending is not satisfying. Like I said, the yep. wrong animal died and Alan doesn't deserve it. So I'm very conflicted on how this movie ends. What about yes. another deleted scene where, um, where Melanie's opening the door to allow him in? The mirror reflects some light into the nurse's eyes as she's driving past the hospital and she wrecks right in that. She runs Alan fucking over. She's blinded by the light from the mirror of her opening the door, and she runs Alan over. How about that? Oh. That would that would have been more satisfying. Or like the nurse yeah. shows up, the nurse shows up, runs him over, and just screams at him, "You killed my bogey!" Bogey. He's just, you know, so much animal cruelty in this movie, you know, and just disdain for animals. And they're not the worst creature. Once again, this is a movie that proves, in my opinion, it's a movie that proves, once again, that humans are are the worst. Oh, yes. Humans suck ass. Maybe 
through line. Maybe even though there's a happy ending, maybe maybe what the way we're supposed to see that, like it seems to me that if you took some of David Shire's music from earlier in the movie and put it at the end instead of the music that's there, what if you were supposed to think with that ending and the different music, you know how you can take a trailer, you change the music, all of a sudden it becomes a murder mystery instead of a comedy. Yeah. It changes the music. Maybe you're maybe at the end you would think this is this motherfucker getting away with it instead of you know ah. it like Soze rather than <laughs> yeah. oh. I was gonna I was gonna say uh, may, I don't know if this is the place for it but um, I wanted to say when it comes to Monkey Shines for me in Romero's career um, it seemed to me that this was the second of three movies where he changed his tone. Uh, I found that, or maybe tone isn't the right word, but to me, if you look at Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead, there's a starkness to his work that um, I think in Creepshow, I think he had an opportunity to kind of enjoy himself, be a little more playful with the camera, and cinematography and have a little more fun and, and take more risks with it. And then after creep show, I think if I remember correctly, it was creep show and then monkey shines, right? No, um, a day of the dead was, uh, was between those two. Okay. So, and even if you look at day of the dead, um, it seems to me that the, the, the start becomes more balanced in that. And in this, especially noticed it during him running where there's like a shot to his feet and then the, there's kind of like the the levity with the people like uh, running past and stuff. And then even him like flying up in the air, it seemed like he was taking more risks with this movie. And then it kind of culminates in the dark half. Because for me, dark half is so much more of a layered, nuanced, dynamic movie than a lot of the stuff he had done before. Even though I think that the starkness in, um, in Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead is totally well-placed. I think it totally works for those things. But it makes me wonder if when he tried to bring it back again with his further like dead stuff, it almost seemed like Dark Half was kind of like the end of his career for me. Because it seemed like everything after that was just kind of like dead derivative stuff. Well, I mean, he did Bruiser after the Dark Half, and then he did the, the, the second uh, trilogy of dead movies. But I've said this on, on many occasions, the Dark Half is my favorite George Romero film. I, I like it better than any of the uh, the dead movies, uh, anything that he's done. Creepshow, even. Uh, it's a perfect, perfect movie. It's uh, a perfect adaptation of a Stephen King book, one of the few perfect ones. And I absolutely love Dark Hat. Despite Timothy Hutton. What's that? I said despite Timothy Hutton. Oh, yeah. Despite <laughs> my disdain for him, I usually do not like that man. Uh, it's, it's just an aesthetic thing. I, I just, I don't like his face. <laughs> um, one interesting thing is that, uh, it was great to see, um, uh, damn, I, I keep wanting to say Yondu, Rooker. It's great to Michael see Rooker. Rooker play that character because, uh, that character is so important in Stephen King lore. Like that guy is, and uh, of course his, his name is Casey right now. But he's Alan like the super He's like the superhero of Stephen King lore. And it seems like whenever I see him played by somebody, it's always a killer fucking actor. Michael Rooker well, I mean, and uh 
Ed Harris and uh, Scott Glenn even played him. Scott Glenn, Scott Glenn yeah. in the in Castle Rock, right? Oh, yeah, oh, in the man. first season of Castle Rock. So he's always had a, a top-notch actor playing him, but Rooker Rooker's best in in everything he does. He, I love Rooker. Yeah. But that being said, uh, let's go ahead and get into our final ratings and reviews. I'll be interested to find out where you two uh, come in on this one. Now, uh, way we do things around here, you've both been guests. Uh, guests go first. So, but I'll let you go first, Rebecca. Go ahead and give us your final uh, thoughts and rating on a scale from one to ten of Monkey Shines. So, I, as I said before, uh, the trailers, like all, all the promotional stuff creeps me out when I was a kid. And then I saw the movie and all I could think of was this monkey has been treated very badly. Um, now that I'm an adult, there are some things that frighten me a little bit more. Like I said, the, the whole idea that like a moment can change your entire life. The idea of being completely incapacitated and dependent on other people or a monkey um, to do everything for you. That's really like claustrophobic and frightening to me. Um, so the first half of the movie, like really, I, I really love it. Like, you know, and the whole idea that he gets this, this renewal and, you know, this, this, uh, kind of almost like a second chance. Um, but yeah, the way that he just dismisses her and the way that nobody, nobody blames the humans or even insinuates that human intervention is what caused this monkey to be the way it is, um, I feel like it was maybe just a missed opportunity and I feel like it was really irresponsible. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to come in at like a seven and I'm only coming in that high because I love Ella. Nice. Nice. And, and Corey, you're rating on a scale from one to 10. Well, I guess my question, first of all, is that are we rating it as a one to 10 because it's Romero month? Are we saying one to 10 in all the Romero movies or just movies as a whole? Oh, movies as a whole. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I have to say that when it comes to monkey shines, I have a long history with this movie and it was one of those blessed affairs where, you know, the video store is there and they have little paper discs that you take off the hook and give to the person and they hand you the film. And, uh, I remember it's, it's one of those films where you, I was too young and also there weren't a whole lot of resources to know about film and stuff. So I was drawn in by the cover alone. And I think that I was actually, I guess I, I think I actually connected it with Skeleton Crew when I saw the cover of it. And then I was to find out that they weren't affiliated. But um, when I saw it, and I, and I saw it way younger, I actually, I lived in a town where we had this video store where these three guys ran it. And they had such a love of horror that they had like the wall of horror. And since we were cool, like we were kids that ran around town and stuff, we were way too young. They basically said, this is like Mission Impossible. We're going to disavow your fucking existence if you tell your mom we're let you rent this. We're going <laughs> to uh, It was one of those and, things and where... thank God for people like that, right? Yes. They, they are unsung heroes of, um, of all the people who were doing podcasts today. Uh, but um, so I, when I first saw it, I, I remember thinking um, that it was a... It was a very, for the cover, experiment in fear. And, you know, it's got that rhyme. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like, you know, and, and wouldn't you know it, one of them ends up dead. It's, she got in his head and all this stuff. 
Um, I remember thinking even as a kid how tempered it was for having such a a cover that made you think it was just going to be like a bloodbath. But um, but even uh, taking it on later on after I've seen it a million times, there are not a whole lot of movies that kind of like pass muster. Um, I was actually very, very disappointed the last time I saw Dream Warriors. It was my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street for years and years and years and years. And I saw it again probably in the last five years. And for whatever, I was heartbroken because for whatever reason, it didn't hit me quite the same. This movie hit me much, much the same, except this time around, for whatever reason, maybe it was because I was younger and I kind of allowed film to sort of um, sort of take me where it wanted to type of thing where it kind of told me what was what and i believed what was what and then as i grew older i kind of uh, started interpreting things a little bit more in my own uh temperament with this uh more than ever before i'm totally with, with rebecca on it I'll, i saw ella as the injured party here i saw her as the wrong party like she if, if anyone is the victim in the story it's it's ella to be sure She's basically the only one that didn't uh, try to do anybody wrong except for Melanie. Um, and in that case, like Melanie, I don't think Melanie defended her even the way she should have, especially coming from, I mean, I guess she wasn't born there. She was a, a relative latecomer and stuff, but um, I think that a lot of the, a lot of the things I felt about this movie stayed in place, except for maybe kind of like the tenor of blame, I guess. And, uh, especially when we went through that little bit of trying to figure out who was the worst person, it, um, it brought everything in the stark relief about, uh, how there are very few, uh, um, sympathetic characters in this movie. But I think that the, the craft is the same. And, uh, I think that the storytelling is on point. There are a few things that were left out, but that might be us coming at it from 21st century eyes and stuff. I would say that in my estimation, this, I, as much as I hate to, to copy, I would have to say I, I probably give it about a 7-2. Only because I think that there are some missed opportunities. I think that there are some unexplored avenues. Um, like, I, I remember at one part, even, it seemed like there may have been, like, a, a chunk of time gone, even, where uh, where Jeffrey was in his office, and then he was going to leave, and all of a sudden he was back in his office, and the stuff was gone. And I don't know if you're supposed to think that he was like drugged out and didn't even notice, and that's why it's gone. He doesn't didn't leave the office yeah. or what? Yeah, because when uh, when uh, the dean takes the serum and stuff, that really went nowhere. Yeah, that was like, a, yeah, were... that was a subplot that really could have played out well, but they went nowhere with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it makes me wonder if they were kind of like if they were trying to be spare about it. So, um. So maybe things, I mean, I would love to see like a re-release that had like a bunch of stuff. Maybe that stuff is explored and just ended up on the cutting room floor. Who knows? But I would definitely say a seven. Um, I'm tempted to go higher, but in, in good conscience, I can. I think that there's been a lot of uh, good stuff that I've discovered that uh, takes, that takes this, you know, under, under its boot and other things that have come out in the last little while that can do it. So, I think seven. A few years ago, I probably would have said a nine. But, uh, you know, like he said, uh, I can't remember if it was a personal thing or if you said it uh, out there, but you watch things. Sometimes you have to give it a second chance. You're different. It's going to seem different to you. The times are different. So, uh, so there you go. 
I'm coming in similar, similarly to the two of you. I, I, I feel like this movie has actually went up for me since my previous viewing. When I originally seen it, I was not a fan. I was, you know, I saw it right at the age of 12 when it came out. It just wasn't what I was looking for in a horror movie at that time. I was looking for, you know, Halloween 3, Friday the 13th, Part 6, and I was just not a fan. And I've always had an affinity for animals. I love animals more than I do people, to, you know, make no apologies for it. And I'm on Team Ella. You know, Ella is a, such a misrepresented character, you know. Uh, you just got a feel for her. She just, you know, she meant no wrong. She had no say-so in what they did to her. She was very much like a sympathetic uh, Frankenstein monsters character. Mm-hmm. She was something that was created that had no choice in the matter. And yeah, again, uh, I, I sum it up with the wrong animal died. I, I, I this I, I'm left with hating Alan's character, and you know that says something about Jason Biggs. Uh, you know, uh, acting. He was he really good as Alan, and I really don't know him from anything else. I know he's on a lot of the Chicago PD or Chicago Hope shows, but I know he does a lot of television. But I was really impressed with his acting because he makes you hate him. And I don't know, not sure if that's the the intention of the material, but that's where I went with it. Now, I like intention, and I I think that it's a missed opportunity because it seems to me with a, a little bit of deft editing, you could make this a thing where it's like. She she was a monkey who didn't know who she was. She was a monkey who was experimented on against her will. And then she met Alan. And Alan took her places she never thought she'd ever go or ever wanted to go again. Like yeah. I think you, I I honestly think that you could turn around and make and uh totally cast a light on what's obvious to anyone who gives a fuck about animals. And that is, you know, she she was thrown under the bus and had her neck broken by a paraplegic uh just out of out of pure fucking just someone who doesn't want to 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 weigh the responsibility of his feelings actions and deeds flat out yeah totally mm-hmm. i agree 100% but uh like i said my rating probably you know to be quite honest years ago might have been at about a three and a half a four but I'm coming in at a six these days. Uh, it has actually one up for me as as a film. I can tolerate it more, you know, a little bit. I still don't abide by some of the cruelty factors of uh, the cruelty towards Ella. Is this hard to watch? Because, it, it, you know, I'm a horror movie guy. You can do whatever you want to people all day long. Don't really care. <laughs> but, you know, leave don't my Ella alone. Don't mess with the animals. Don't mess with the animals. Leave my Ella alone. But still, you know, it's it's a great film. It's one of Romero's best directed films, not one of his best films, you know, not in the, in the top five tier or anything. But, yeah, it's uh, definitely one that I think everybody, if, you know, seems to miss it. Everybody talks about his dead films or talks about Creep Show, which those are all great films. But I really feel like Monkey Shines for, you know, the, the three of us all kind of gave it another chance and a rewatch. I think everybody else should, too, in my opinion. I, I definitely think people who have seen it, I think the, I think the ones who have seen it bring it up. Uh, I, I don't well, think a lot it, of people haven't seen it. I think it's this one that got missed. I don't think because it's obviously it was, it was a box office bomb. It didn't even make its uh, seven million dollar budget back. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah, it, made, it had a seven million dollar budget, and I think it made something in in around five. So it did not. If um. Even though I, uh, I, I would like to see Jason Begg in more stuff, um, but 
I, it makes me wonder if at that time, if you would have taken a kind of wet behind the ears, Bruce Willis and put him in there, if it might, if it may not have played better, uh, played better in the, in the box office. It's hard, it's hard to say. I don't know. I don't know that I could see, uh, I could see Bruce. Well, it's maybe Tom Hanks, maybe. <laughs> okay, but the thing is, we say there it's got a really stellar cast, whatever. But none of these people were really names at that point in time. They've become names. But at that point in time, pretty much nobody in this had a, you know, had any footing, I don't think. Except for well, George yeah. Romero. And I mean, everybody, uh, including Stephen Root. I mean, like, I gotta think this yeah. was his first okay. Every time you bring that, blows me away. Because he was so... It seemed like his his performance was so fucking confident in this that it 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 blows me away that he had done just done stage stuff, you know. Right, right. Well, I think we've exhausted about every resource we can about this movie. Uh, we covered everything. If anybody knows how to bring Ella back, if anybody knows a monkey voodoo, uh, let us know. Yes, please. And I must make a note that Tom Savini, uh, his one of his uh, children were was an extra yes. in the movie. One of Romero's uh, children w- yes. was an extra in the movie, and Savini did yes. effects and stunts for it. So there's a, that that still that loyalty, even though this was his first studio film, Romero was still trying to bring in, you know, people from the old school. Yeah. Uh, do you think that this could work as a a reboot? If they tried it again, do you think if they uh, did take it from like a more balanced? Uh, I think people would think would so. reject it on the the basis of the animal cruelty alone. To be quite honest, in, the, in this day and age, I, I think a lot of people would. I mean, but the the, the movie, uh, no movie is sacred. They'll remake remake anything, and you know. Well, but this isn't sacred, and this is the thing when we talk about remakes. Like, people want to remake movies that are already perfect. Do not remake The Exorcist, please. How about we, we remake movies that had potential that just didn't quite get to where they needed to be, and now we can make them better? And this is, I think this is one that would be a deserving reboot. You know, good point. I, I, re- I retract the previous statement. That's a good point. I almost wonder if you could redo this, but instead of um, using a monkey, you use a person. It seems like you could almost do it the same way. Like, like a uh, pseudo like, lawnmower man, like they were kind of like making, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I, don't a, know. Uh, Charlie? I, I, like, I like the monkey aspect. Well, first of all, it's called Monkey Shines. So I don't know that they could, like, really, if they were really right. going to remake it. Yeah. I think it kind of needs to be a monkey. But I what like the whole monkey movie? thing, and that's and it is something that's real. And I that might be the only issue is that people who you know are, are advocates for you know this particular programs, you know, would be like, oh, it's painting them in a bad light, blah blah blah. Because I kind of like if I would have been involved in the actual Helping Hands program back in '88, I would have been like, I don't think this is what we want to put out there to uh, promote our program, guys. <laughs> right. Doesn't paint paint the, the 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 system in a very good light. That's for sure. Right. Uh, well, that being said, um, I'm going to give you both the chance to plug whatever you guys got coming up coming up next, or what you got going on currently. Uh, Corey, if you want to start, where where people can find you and what you got going on. Well, you can find me at uh, Diabolical Index on Facebook. Uh, I'm on YouTube and um, in different places. I 
I've had a little bit of a hiatus with it just due to to COVID job craziness and stuff, but I have started a new segment called Better Hair Book Fair where we kind of just go through the it's like a book haul video where we go through the the picks that we've picked up uh, from thrift stores, library sales, all that kind of stuff, and go through them and in bed, straight out of bed with with no frills or extras. So um, yeah, but it it ends up being a little bit. There's a little bit of analysis that happens in there. So hopefully uh, one day soon I'll I'll be able to start a diabolical index once again, which is my uh, I guess I hate to say book analysis uh, video blog or whatever you call it, but I guess that's the closest thing you can come to it. And Rebecca, what did you got going on here lately? You got all well, types. I, of stuff, I'm sure. I got all types of stuff, but yeah. You what what, what don't you have going on? <laughs> I know. A, a real job. Um, no, so you can find me on Facebook. It's Rebecca Reinhart, R-I-N-E-H-A-R-T. Um, and you can find all my stuff. But I do have a YouTube channel called Not Quite Final Girl. And um, uh, something that I've been doing a lot of uh, over the last few months is a drunken commentaries. And people seem to enjoy those. So I watch movies by myself with my little dog Snickers. And uh, we just, uh, we comment on the movies as we get, well, as I get, shit-faced. And uh, it's pretty fun. <laughs> What's your latest movie that you did, you covered? Well, I actually have recently had some human co-hosts. It's really weird. But the last one that I posted, uh, Snickers did join in, but um, Rob Mello and I did uh, Birdemic. Oh God! And to the Miami Con- and Miami connection, but oh, uh, that was a tremendous double feature. Yes, <laughs> that was our. Double I, feature. I've never seen either one. They're they're really big on on my to do list. And oh I, I man! Some- I'm telling you, go watch my Miami Connection drunken commentary because pretty much the whole movie is there. Um, <laughs> and it is it is uh, it's a, it's a sight to behold. So are you actually viewing the the movies off screen and doing the commentary as you as you watch them? Yeah, I just have a camera kind of behind, like my couch is in front of the TV, have a camera behind. Um, you know, sometimes I run into some issues, you know, with copyright, but most of the time it it's I can challenge it with fair use because hey, I'm talking so much that nobody could actually like just watch the movie right. <laughs> like, with my video. <laughs> Um, I did have a question about that. How do you measure your liquor versus time? Like, are you, are you doing shots? And, huh? No, no, no. I just, you know, I just, I'm drinking and watching a movie. No so rules. I mean, there are a few rules. As I, as I found out, as they found out with Rob, he laid down at one point. I said, no, no, no. You can't lay down during drunken commentary. Uh, you I can see. get up to pee, get a drink, or get something to eat. But the camera stays rolling. Those are the only rules, really. Then you obviously have to drink. <laughs> right, you have to drink. In you commentary drink. at what now? Uh, well, my it's channel is like, not quite final, girl. Okay. Awesome. But if you look up drunk in commentary, you're probably going to find me on YouTube. So that's what I saw you <laughs> come up. The Hunter from Beyond the Stars or whatever. I thought I saw uh, I did that with Cam. <laughs> yep. Oh. Yeah, we did. Uh, you're the hunter of from the future. There you go. That, that was for old, not obsolete. <laughs> the the well, the one movie we did before my my third third episode of that, where the movie killed Rebecca's CD <laughs> player. 
And I just saw I got a message. I got a message from my CED uh, guru while we were on here. So hopefully he's got some good advice for me. <laughs> is that, that Miles in your or is that that's Reb Hunter or something? No, that's right? Reb Brown. Oh. Yeah, that's Reb Brown. 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 Okay. Sometimes I get those guys mixed up. Ator <laughs> fighting eagle, all that jazz. Yeah, Ator and Yor, two different beasts. Not 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 all together that different, but yeah. <laughs> Didn't Yor right. come from a, uh, wasn't that a book series? I think that was a graphic novel or a comic series. Oh, I'm thinking that. of Gore. I'm thinking of Gore. There was like but this. Yeah, Yor <laughs> was like a graphic novel, which I. I think, I think you're right. I think it did say it was from a graphic novel. But I've never seen it, never even seen a copy of it. I, when we did our episode for that, I tried looking for it and found nothing on it. So it must have uh, been very limited. Okay. But, but that being said, I, I want to thank the two of you. For joining me for a really long deep dive discussion on monkey shines i really enjoyed uh revisiting this one um when i, I put the feelers out there to do a george romero appreciation month i was kind of hoping a few people that i hit up for would choose some more of the movies off the beaten path and i'm glad the two of you both uh came back at me with uh doing this movie uh i, I think it's one that deserves to be revisited by people who have seen it and maybe didn't like it or be to be visited for the first time by people who might have overlooked it. Uh, but yeah, Monkey Shines, 1988, an experiment in fear. This has been Cinema Degeneration's George Romero Appreciation Month.